I've got notes written down, and I've got points I'd like to make in regards to this passage. But Lord, I pray that you would help us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me at this time, Lord, and help me to be able to uh, minister to these people, Lord, as we study your word and we're learning about the Bible. I pray that you would just help us and open up these passages to our eyes, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Well, we're there in June, and we're going to get into into the, the chapter here a little bit. If you remember, we've, we've already been in Jude a couple of weeks, and we've been working ourselves through. We've made it up to uh, the verse there in regards to uh, verse 4 uh, about lasciviousness. And we've and Jude, you've got to remember that as we're going through the book of Jude, the entire book of Jude is placed before the book of Revelation because it deals with apostasy. And it specifically deals with false prophets. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the latter days, is what the Bible says. There's going to be apostasy, there's going to be false prophets, and we're going to get into that a little more tonight. But last week I had mentioned to you that Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2 are parallel passages. And you know, I said that and I felt like maybe a lot of people didn't really understand what I was talking about. I want to take a few moments by way of introduction to show you the comparisons between these two uh, chapters. So keep your finger there in Jude and find 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. We're going to be going back and forth and I want you to see this because I want to be very clear to you what I mean when I say that these are two parallel passages. When we look at a story in Matthew, and we look at the same story in John, or look at a story in Matthew, and look at the same story in Mark, or in Luke, and we say these are parallel passages, you understand what we mean by that. We're dealing with the same story in a different book by a different author, and they parallel each other. But maybe you don't really understand what I mean when we say that Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2 are parallel passages. Maybe those two chapters don't really seem like they'd go well together. Do you got your finger in Jude? And you got another finger in 2 Peter, correct? Now, so let's start in Jude. Let me just show you a few of the uh, things that you can see how they are parallel. Look at verse number 4. Jude, verse number 4, the Bible says, For there are certain men crept in unawares. Now, we know in verse 3 he told us we need to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And you say, why do we need to earnestly contend for the faith? Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares. It tells us that there are men that have crept into the church unawares, meaning we're not aware of them. They've snuck in. Now go to 2 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there are false prophets also among the people. Do you see that? There's talking about the same thing. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately, that's the same word, unawares, shall bring in damnable heresy. So you see how Jude deals with certain men crept in unawares. Second Peter deals with men, false prophets, false teachers. Make note of these words, among the people who shall privately bring in damnable heresies. Go back to Jude. Look at verse 4 again. Notice what it says. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness lasciviousness, and I want you to make note of this phrase, denying, specifically that word, denying the only Lord, make, make note of that word, God and our Lord, make note of that word, Jesus Christ. So it says they were denying the only Lord, God and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were 
false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even, does this sound familiar? Denying the Lord that brought them, do you see that? And bring upon themselves swift destruction. So both Jude deal with men crept in unawares, false teachers. It says in Jude they denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Peter, denying the Lord that brought them. Go back to Jude, look at verse 6. Jude, and I'm just going to do this quickly. I just want you to see what we're talking about. Uh, and then we're going to get into Jude. But look, go, go to Jude chapter 1 verse 6. Jude 1 6. Notice what it says. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Referring to the, the fallen angels. What's known today as the devils or demons. It says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Go back to Second Peter chapter number 2. Look at verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. You see that? Dealing with the same subject. The fallen angels in Jude, it says angels, chains, darkness, judgment. In 2 Peter 2, it says angels, chains, darkness, judgment. Uh, go, go back to Jude. Look at verse number 7. Jude, verse number 7. Notice what it says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah, predominantly known for their uh, physical, sexual immorality, and specifically for the sodomy. And it says there, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example. Make note of that word, example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Go to Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 6. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overflow, making them in samples, same word as examples, unto those that after should live ungodly. Go to Jude. Look at verse number 8. Jude, verse number 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Make note of this word. Despise dominion. And, make note of this phrase, speak evil of dignities. Go back to Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 10. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise, does that sound familiar? Government? Presumptuous are they? Self-willed? They are not afraid to, notice this phrase, speak evil of dignities. Exact same phrase. Go back to Jude. Look at verse number 10. Jude, verse number 10, But these speak evil, make note of that phrase, speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, make note of that phrase, brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Go back to Second Peter chapter 2, look at verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, But these as natural brute beasts. Do you see that? Made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. Just like it says in Jude. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Go back to Jude. Look at verse number 12. Jude, verse number 12. Make note of this. These are spots. Make note of that phrase, of that word, spots. These are spots in the feast of charity when they feast with you. Make note of that phrase. Go back to Second Peter, chapter number uh, two. Look at verse number thirteen. 
Second Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots, do you see that? They are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceiv- uh, de- deceivings while they, make note of this phrase, feast with you. Just like it says in Jude. Go back to uh, verse number 12. Jude, verse number 12. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Make note of this. Clouds they are without water. Clouds they are without water. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 17. 2 Peter chapter number 2. Uh, verse number uh, 17. The Bible says, 2 Peter 2.17, These are wells without water. Okay? And Judah said they are clouds without water. But notice what it says. Clouds that are carried with the tempest. Do you see that? Uh, go back to Jude. Look at verse number 11. I skipped verse number 11. Let me show you that. Jude, verse number 11. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain, and, make note of this phrase, ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Remember there, Balaam for reward, and perished in the gang of course. So there's a reference to Balaam. They ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Go back to Second Peter chapter number 2. Look at verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. You see that? Referencing the exact uh, same guy there. Uh, go, go to Jude. Uh, look at verse number 13. Jude, verse number uh, 13. Jude, verse number 13. The Bible says, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars. Make note of this phrase. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Go to Second Peter chapter number two. Look at verse seventeen. Second Peter chapter number two, verse number seventeen. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried without a tempest. Notice this phrase: To whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever? Go back to Jude. This is the last one I'll show you. Verse sixteen. Jude, verse sixteen. These are murmurers. Complainers. Remember on Sunday night we talked about complainers. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own loss, and their mouth speaketh. Make note of this phrase. Great swelling words. Go to Jude. I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 18. 2 Peter chapter number 2, verse 18. For when they speak, great swelling words. You see that? Now those are... Let me tell you, that, that is not a coincidence. Okay? That, that is... Uh, a parallel passage. You say, man, it almost sounds like the same guy uh, wrote both uh, both of them. The same guy did write both of them, and his name is God, Jehovah God. You say, well, Peter and Jude, and, you know, these people like to they, they like to say, well, you know, the Bible was written by men. No, the Bible was written by God. God used men, but you can see there. I mean, it's very clear. It's the same God. It's the same words, the same phrases. So anyway, last week I told you that Jude and Second Peter chapter two were parallel passages, and uh, I just I felt like maybe you didn't really understand what I meant by that. So I wanted to show you those things just by way of introduction. Go back to Jude, look at verse number eleven. Jude chapter uh, verse number eleven. Let's get into the the, the meat of the uh, of the study tonight. Jude eleven. I want you to notice this. I initially told you we were going to spend four weeks in Jude. I think that's what I said. And you know, as I've been studying it more and just seeing just how deep this book is, uh, and I apologize, you know, Pastor Men is not perfect. I lie, just like you, okay? But we're probably going to spend another four weeks in Jude, just because there's so much in here that I want you to grasp. And I was debating and thinking, I may skip some of this, but I thought, you know, when else am I going to be preaching through the book of Jude? 
I mean, I will preach through it again. Once we get done preaching through the entire Bible, we'll start over. So in 20 years, I'll probably re- preach through Jude again. Hopefully you're still with us, but um, maybe you won't. Who knows? Uh, look, look at Jude, uh, verse number 11. Jude, verse number 11. I want you to see this, because Jude is dealing with false prophets, false teachers. We dealt with the subject last Wednesday, the fact that they've crept in unaware. Now in verse 11, Jude gives us three Old Testament characters that characterize for us what a false prophet looks like. And we're going to spend one week on each of these, and I want you to notice what Jude is trying to teach us about these. Look at verse 11. He says, Woe unto them, for they, talking about a false prophet, have gone in the way of Cain, number one, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, number two, and perished in the gainsaying of Cory, number three. And those three Old Testament characters characterize for us what a false prophet looks like. We're going to spend three weeks looking at those three different men and going through the book of Jude. We are studying the book of Jude and we'll go through it. We'll get through a lot of it tonight. But I want you to understand, we're going to, we're going to, tonight we're going to deal with that first one, Cain. They have gone in the way of Cain. We can learn from Cain, and when we learn from Cain, it allows us to learn about a false prophet, a false teacher, a man that has crept in unaware. Now, I'm not going to go to the verses tonight, because we dealt with it last week, but remember, Jesus said that there were come wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus said, remember we looked at the parable there, that the wheat would grow up with the tares. The enemy sowed the tares in the field. And we're not going to deal with that tonight, but because well, we dealt with it last week. But let's learn about Cain tonight, and what can we learn about Cain in regards to a false prophet. Now keep your finger there in Jude, we're coming back to it. But go to Genesis chapter number 4. Genesis chapter number 4. Now we're going to be looking at a lot of Bible tonight, but... You know, what else is new around here? That's why you're here, right? To learn the Bible. Amen. In Genesis chapter number 4, look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife. Genesis should be fairly easy to find. First book in the Bible, chapter number 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And, I, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So here you got the, the these these two brothers, Cain and Abel, very well known characters in the Bible. Now look at verse three. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fact thereof, and the Lord had respect. I want you to make note of that word, respect. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wrong. And his countenance fell. So here's what happened. You've got Cain and Abel. God needs an offering. Abel is a keeper of sheep. And he brings to God a sacrificed animal. As a sacrifice to to God. Cain is a farmer. And he brings of the fruit of the field that he produced and brings that to God. God accepted Abel's sacrifice. But he did not accept Cain's. Now you've got to understand this, okay? The Bible says in Romans 2.11, you don't have to go there, but it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. God does not respect any one person over another. No one is better than anyone else. A 
as far as God is concerned. And it's not that we're all good, it's that we're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, is what the Bible said. So we are all on an equal playing field. And you've got to understand this. Cain and Abel were on the same playing field. And I believe that both Cain and Abel understood what was expected of them. Because God does not judge you without first telling you what is expected. Now if you remember, and I don't have time to go there, but if you want to read the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, remember Adam and Eve when they sinned. Remember, they covered their nakedness with leaves, right? And God came down and did something that had never been done on earth. He killed an animal. And He he shed the blood of that animal, and He took the skins of that animal, and He put them on Adam, and put them on Eve, and that was a picture for them, that because of their sin, one day a lamb would have to be crucified and killed. And remember, when Jesus started His earthly ministry, as He came down uh, uh, there to be baptized, remember John the Baptist said, as he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And that was a picture of salvation. The fact that this animal was killed, and then his skins were wrapped around Adam and Eve. And listen, we have to have Jesus Christ wrapped around us in order to be saved. Amen. Now you got to understand this. I'm sure Adam and Eve had explained to their sons that when you bring a sacrifice to God, it has to be a animal sacrifice, there has to be shedding of blood, there has to be a sacrifice given to God. Abel sacrificed a lamb. But you know what? Cain had another idea. Cain, here's what Cain thought. Cain thought, I know God wants a sacrifice, but you know, I think that God would be more impressed with what I can produce. Because see, I've been working pretty hard in this field. And I've been planting these fruits here. And this is the labor that I have been doing. And I'm going to take these fruits and I'm going to offer that to God. But notice, God was not impressed. And let me tell you something, that is a picture of salvation today. Sometimes people ask me, what's the difference between what you guys believe and what these other people believe or what that? You can understand this, there are only two ways to believe. Only two. Thousands of religions, only two belief systems. You either believe that salvation is by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ alone, plus nothing, minus nothing, and the sacrifice of Jesus is all that can save you. Or you believe what most so-called Christians in America believe today. Which is, oh yeah, I mean it's Jesus, but I also got to do my part. You know what you're doing? Trying to impress God with your works. Well, I've got to, you know, I've got to live a good life, otherwise I'm not going to go to heaven. You know what you're doing? You're trying to offer to God of your fruit. Just like Abel, look, there is no new thing under the sun. You know, people, people often say, they'll ask me questions and I'll give them an answer. And they'll say, well, you don't understand, I'm unique. You're not unique. Well, that doesn't apply, it applies to everyone else, but it doesn't apply to me. The Bible says there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Anything you've ever gone through, anything you've ever thought, any idea that ever came in your head, someone else has already thought it, someone else has already gone through it, somebody has already been there and done that. Just keep that in mind. You're not unique. You're just like everyone else, a sinner. You say, well, I'm going to offer to God my sacrifice, my, my work. Cain already tried it, it didn't work out for him. Well, I'm, I'm going to impress God with my catechism. I'm going to impress God with, with, with my sacraments. I'm going to impress God with my baptism. I'm going to impress God with my, you know, speaking in tongues. I'm going to impress, whatever, whatever you think. 
Jesus Christ. That's it. Cain was the first works salvation advocate. He brings the God of his labor. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? You say, what can we learn from Cain? Cain... Well, go, go to Hebrews. Keep your, uh, keep your finger there in Genesis 4, because we're going to come back to it. Go to Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. You say, did this really have to do with salvation? I'll prove to you it did. Some people like to say, oh, that wasn't about salvation, it was about this or it was about that. Are you there in Hebrews, chapter 11? We've been in Hebrews 11 quite a bit lately, for different reasons, but that's okay. Hebrews, chapter number 11. Look at verse 4. Hebrews 11, 4. Some people say, my baptism saves me. That's a work. Some people say, my godly living saves me. That's a work. Some people say, you cannot be saved unless you make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's a work. Now look, should Jesus be the Lord of your life? Of course He should. Should you get baptized? Of course you should. But if you think you're going to get to heaven by the things you do, you are trying to impress God with your labor. Cain. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 4. By faith, the opposite of works. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which, referring to sacrifice, he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it be uh, he being dead yet speaketh. So the Bible tells us here that because see, Abel wasn't sacrificing a lamb, and that saved him. But what Abel was doing was saying, I believe that one day the Lamb of God is going to come. And He's going to be sacrificed. And He's going to give me salvation. And I'm sacrificing this Lamb of God to express to you my faith in the fact that one day your Son will come. That's what Abel was saying. Cain offered fruit, vegetable, his labor, his work. Now you got to understand this. Cain knew what was expected of him. Cain chose to reject God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation was very clear. God made it very clear to Eve. He said, of you is going to come a seed. And that seed is going to bring salvation. And Cain chose to reject God's plan, and he instituted his own plan, which was a, was a works, I'll work my way, I'll impress you with the things I can produce, God, and that'll let me into heaven. you got to understand this. False prophets today. Because remember, we're learning what does Cain teach us about a false prophet today. Cain rejected God's plan of salvation, instituted a work salvation. False prophets today reject God's plan of salvation, instituted a work salvation. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm going to try to help you, although some of you aren't going to listen to me because you've got your preconceived ideas, and that's okay. We can still be friends. But the faster you realize this, the faster you can grow. you got to understand this. Well, go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 11.3, the Bible says this, But I fear, this is Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh, notice what it says, I want you to notice this, if he that cometh, he said, if someone shows up and preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which, we, uh, which ye have not received, notice this, 
or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. He said, I'm afraid. This is what Paul's telling the church of Corinth. He said, I'm afraid after I've bestowed so much work and labor into you, after I've done so much to teach you and plant you and get this church going, I'm afraid that some guy, some wolf in sheep's clothing, is going to show up and begin to teach you about a Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus I've been teaching you about. And a spirit, but it's not the same spirit I've been teaching you about. And a gospel, but it's not the same gospel that I've been teaching you about. Go to Galatians. You're there in 2 Corinthians. The next book is Galatians. Galatians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 8. Galatians chapter number 1. Verse number 8. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. This is what Paul said to the church at Galatia. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but though we... He's, he's including himself. He's saying, look, I don't care if it's me or an angel from heaven. Look what he says. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now listen to me. The faster you can get this through your head, the faster you can begin to grow. Not everyone who calls himself a Christian, not everyone who holds a so-called Bible, not everyone who says, I'm preaching Jesus, I'm preaching the gospel, is preaching the same Jesus and the same gospel of the Bible. You understand this? There are false preachers out there. There are people, they may say Jesus, they may say gospel, they may look like they're preaching the Bible, but if they're not preaching what the Bible says, they are a false teacher, they are like Cain, they have rejected the salvation of God and are instituting their false religion. Let me tell you something. The Roman Catholic priest may seem like he's teaching the Bible, but he's not teaching the same gospel that we're teaching. He's not preaching the same gospel of the Bible. He doesn't believe in the same Jesus of the Bible that the Bible teaches. Why? Because the Roman Catholic priest believes that in order to be saved, you need to get baptized as a baby, you need to be catechized, you need to go to communion, you need to get this, you need to do that, and at the end there's like a seven step process, and at the end you do your last, you know, last rites, and if and if and if, and if the Catholic Church, if you're in good standing with the church, then the Pope will let you into heaven. That's not the gospel. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Whoa, whoa, yeah, but he said Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. But he said gospel. It's not the same gospel. But he had a Bible. It's not the same Bible. you got to understand this. Not every TV preacher is a right preacher. Not every guy, but he sounds so good. Great swelling words, huh? Is that what it sounds like? I think I read that somewhere. And you got to understand this. Someone who preaches a false gospel is not saved. Well, I know this Pentecostal preacher, and I know that the Pentecostals believe that you can lose your salvation, but I, I think he's saved. If he's teaching people you can lose your salvation, he's not saved. Well, I know this, this guy, and he, you know, I, yeah, he says you got to repent of your sins to be saved, but I'm pretty sure he's saved. If he believes you got to repent of your sins to be saved, he's not saved. You know what? You know what will revolutionize your life as a Christian? Those of you that have never gone out soul winning, you gotta go soul winning. You know why? Because if you start knocking on these people's doors and these people tell you, "Oh yeah, yeah, I go to so and so church," and you start asking them about their salvation, you start realizing that they're not saved. That that will revolutionize your life. Just realizing that most Christians aren't saved. The Bible says, straight is the way, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find. Most 
so-called Christians aren't saved. When someone says to me, I'm a Christian, I assume they're not saved. They, you know, are you just judging people? I'm not, look, I'm just telling you right now, you got to understand this. Most people aren't saved. Most people don't believe. They may believe in a Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Now understand this. Like Cain, false prophets teach a work salvation. Like Cain, false prophets rejected the salvation of God. Cain rejected that. He knew what was expected. He could have brought a lamb, but he chose not to. He brought of his work. And you got to understand this. Like Cain, false prophets teach a false gospel. And like Cain, they are not saved. Now you got to understand this. You say, I don't like it that you say that my favorite TV preacher is not saved. Listen, let me tell you something. Joel Osteen is not saved. Let me just make that very clear to you. You say, I don't think you should say that about Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen says that a Muslim can be saved. And they don't have to believe in Jesus. They just, as long as they follow their life, they can go to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if Joel Osteen is teaching people that somebody can be saved in another way, not through Jesus Christ, then Joel Osteen is not saved. Let me tell you something. Billy Graham's not saved. I've heard Billy Graham say that you must forsake your sin in order to be saved. If you've got to forsake your sin to be saved, then you believe in a work salvation. I'm telling you, the man's not saved. But he sounds so good. He's not saved. Amen. Benny Hinn's not saved. Joyce Myers, dead show not saved. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> the faster you get this to your head, there are false prophets. That's why you got, you got to be careful. The books you read, the people you listen to. Why? Because you're getting your doctrine from people that aren't even saved. The spiritual man does not accept, the, 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 the carnal man does not accept spiritual things. Cannot even understand it. It's good. Now, you've you got to get this, okay? This is why God emphasizes that they're not saved, yet they are with us. Are you there in Jude? Go, go back to Jude. Look at verse 4. I know we saw this last week, but just look at it again. Jude. Look at verse 4. This is why God emphasizes that they are with us physically in the church. Okay, Jude, look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. They came in in disguise. They look like us. They talk like us. They dress like us. They smell like us. But they're not one of us. Look at verse 19. Same, same book there, Jude. Look at verse 19. Notice how God keeps emphasizing this. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, look at verse 19. These they be who separate themselves, sensual. Look what he says about them. Having not the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, are you saved? No. The Spirit, we are sealed with the Spirit for salvation. The Bible says these guys don't have the Spirit. Look at verse 14. Um... The Bible says that God is coming back, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Did God make his point that these people are ungodly? He's talking about false prophets. Now, if you're ungodly, that's the opposite of being godly. (laughs) For those of you that... I have trouble with that. And you also got to understand this. These guys are on the wrong side of the judgment. They're not coming with Jesus. Jesus is coming against them. By the way, that's why it says in Matthew, And many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, uh, you know, uh, 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 cast out devils. And in your names did many wonderful works. 
And he shall say, depart from me, I never knew you. They're on the wrong side of judgment. See, you, you got to understand this. Go, go, are you there in Jude? Look at verse 5. Remember the, the illustration God gave us here? In Jude, look at verse 5. Jude 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Acts tells us that the church, the congregation in the wilderness, Acts chapter 7 calls them the church in the wilderness. God said that He brought them out of Egypt and some of them still didn't believe and He destroyed them later that believed not. you got to understand this. There will be people among us who are not saved. Look at... Uh, let's see what verse I want to show you. Go, go to 1 John. You're there in Jude. Just a couple pages before. 1 John. you got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 2nd and 3rd John are just one chapter. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 19. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 19. 1 John 2.19... 1 John 2.19 They went out from among us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Just learn that. I'm not telling you this so you can start judging people and, well, are they really with us? Are they really not? Look, while people are here, love them, accept them, just let them be part of the brotherhood. But let me tell you something. There are, from time to time, some will go, and they were never actually of us. They weren't saved. Now, you got to understand this, okay? We said, number one, Cain rejected God, right? He rejected his plan of salvation. He understood what was expected of him, and he said, no, I'm going to offer you my works. And that's what a false prophet does. He rejects the salvation of God, and he says, I'm going to offer you my works. They may say, yeah, you got to accept Jesus Christ. But they also believe that someone who doesn't accept Jesus Christ is going to heaven. That's not the gospel that we preach. They may say, yeah, you've got to accept Jesus Christ, but you better live good or else you're going to lose it. That's not the gospel that we preach. Okay? So Cain rejected God. Go, go back to Genesis 4. There's only two points to this sermon, and I'm already on the second, so we're doing good. What you don't know is this is a long point. Genesis 4. Look what it says. Okay, quickly, quickly. Genesis 4. Look at verse 5. Genesis 4, verse 5. Okay? Cain rejected God, right? Notice what God does. Verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. Now, did he have no respect for Cain? No. He had no respect for what Cain offered, the offering. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Cain could not control his attitude. He could not control his face. You ever want to tell somebody, hey, you need to fix your face. <laughs> That's what God you know, wanted to say to, to Cain. His countenance fell. You can just say, I know, man. Liver 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrong? And why is thy countenance fallen? Now notice what God says, verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And he's saying, look, you can be accepted just like Abel. I am no respecter of persons. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Though, I don't have time to go into that. You can, you can study this on your own. But that terminology is used in marriage. The Bible says that Eve had a desire to Adam, and Adam was to rule over him. But God is telling Cain here, you're going to be married to sin if you don't get this right. Here's what you got to understand. Cain rejected God. But in turn, God rejected Cain. You say, did God reject him? Well, he would not accept his offering. What is the opposite of accepting? Rejecting. 
See, God rejected Cain. Go to Genesis chapter 6. You've got to understand this. And I don't have time to develop this. Study this out on your own. Or go on the website. I've got enough sermons on this. You can, you, can, you can look this up if you'd like and look at it for yourself. I'll just give you a few verses. Genesis chapter number 6. Look at verse 3. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Let me tell you something. The Bible teaches, go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6. The Bible teaches that an individual can come to the place where they cross a line and God rejects them. Now, is it, you know, let me just say this right now. Don't, don't start trying to guess. Well, what's the number? What do you got to do? I don't know and I don't care. It's God's job, not mine. You know, we need to get this in our heads. I have enough of a hard time trying to do what's expected of me, much less trying to do my own job and God's job. Let God do what He's going to do. Just understand this. There can come a time when an individual crosses a line where God will reject them. And it always comes in this manner. They reject God, they reject God, they reject God, and finally God says, you know what? I'm done with you, I reject you. Are you there in Jeremiah chapter 6? You say, I don't know if I, if I believe that. Look at verse 30. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 30. Reprobate silver shall men call them, because the Lord hath rejected them. He says, when someone calls you a reprobate, it is because God has rejected you. What that tells me is this. Every time the Bible uses the word reprobate about an individual, they are rejected. God is done with them. Now you say, well that's not fair. They had an opportunity. Did not God tell uh, Cain, if thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted? It's not that they never had an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity. But you reject God and reject God and reject God and reject God. And eventually God will reject you. Say, so, well how many times you got to... Re- I don't know. If you can identify that you have not rejected God, then, then move on with life. But just realize this, that people can come to that place. They can cross that line. And you got to understand this. Go, to, go back to Jude. You said, was, was Cain a reprobate? I, I'm t- I, I just got done telling you, I, I'm not God. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. His offering represents that of which when you reject God, He'll reject you. They brought the wrong offering saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, God. And God said, okay, well, I'm just going to not accept you. Was, was uh, Cain himself a reprobate? I don't know. I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying the offering pictures that. You reject God, God will eventually reject you. Reprobate silver should men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. And there's, there's many other verses we could go to to prove that. And I don't have time for that. I, I just need you to understand that concept. You say, why? You got to understand this. Most false preachers are reprobates. You say, well, how can that be? Well, who has more access to truth than a preacher? I mean, their whole job is to study the truth, right? Let me tell you something. The more you reject truth, the more you reject truth, the more you reject truth, the more likely that God is to reject you. You say, well, how can you prove that? Are you there in Jude? Is Jude not all about these false preachers? Look what it says. Verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. False teachers, right? Notice what it says. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. God says these men have been ordained to this condemnation. Look at verse 13. Same chapter. Raging waves of the sea, 
foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars. Look what God says about these false teachers. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. God said the darkness, the blackness of darkness, which by the way, that is a reference to hell. The Bible says hell is so dark you cannot even uh, see, you can't see anything. People think, oh, in hell there's all this light to party. No, it's not. Hell is very dark. And God said about these people, verse 13, raging waves of sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of the darkness uh, forever. you got to understand this. We're studying Jude, right? Look at verse 6. Look what it says. Okay? He's giving us examples about these, these reprobates, these false preachers that have been rejected by God. Notice what he says. Look at the examples. He says they are rejected like fallen angels are rejected. Now let me, let me can a fallen angel get saved? I'll tell you right now, they cannot. Look, look what it says. Are you there in verse 6? And the angels, which kept not... Now, now you got to understand this, okay? Look, look at verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. So he says they believe not. Okay, in verse 6 he's going to talk about angels. Verse 7 he's going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verse 8 he says likewise. Okay, so he says in the same way also these filthy dreamers. And then he tells us what they do. So he's telling us these people are like the false prophets. Are you following what I'm saying? So who's like the false prophets? Well, like the fallen angels. Verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath, look what it says. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. God wants you to understand these false preachers are rejected and are condemned to hell in the same way that uh, the fallen angels it is reserved unto them the judgment. Who else? Verse 7 Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Do you see that? When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, He did not just send fire down. He literally scooped down from he, he scooped fire from hell. He grabbed eternal fire and poured it out on them. You say why? Read Romans one. Romans one is very clear about the Sodomites, which are obviously where we get the Sodom and Gomorrah is where we get the term Sodomite. So they are like fallen angels. Reprobates. They are like Sodom and Gomorrah. Reprobates. Uh, go, go to Jude verse 10. They are like brute beasts. Look what it says. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally. Now notice, please understand this. And I don't have time to go through Romans 1. But in Romans 1 it tells us that these people gave themselves unto unnatural affections. Okay? Doing something that is not natural. Look what it says about them in verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts. So what they know naturally, in those things they corrupt themselves. So they corrupt themselves in the things that they know naturally. That's what it says. Now understand this. He calls them brute beasts. You know what the word brute, brute means? It means dumb. You know what the word beast means? It means animal. He says these are dumb animals. These are brute beasts. You gotta understand this, okay? Can an animal get saved? I hate to break it to you, but no, all dogs don't go to heaven. The Bible does not teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches, go, go to Second Peter. The Bible teaches the opposite. The Bible says that uh, animals don't even have a soul. When they die, they, they just die. They don't go to heaven. 
And God says, these people are like brute beasts. He says, they're like dumb animals. Look, look at Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 12. Second Peter 2.12 2, But these as natural brute beasts, look, as dumb animals made to be taken and destroyed. God says the only thing you can do with these people is just destroy them. I, I, that's offensive to me. Look, I just read the Bible. I didn't come up with that. God did. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of those things which they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. God says they're like dumb animals made to be destroyed. Say, I don't like this type of preaching. Maybe you've been listening to too many false prophets. Amen. Maybe you've been listening to... Well, I like the preachers that only talk about the sweetness stuff and the kindness stuff. And the, You mean the ones that aren't preaching the Bible? That's probably the false preacher right there. He says they are brute beasts made to be taken out and destroyed. Go back to Jude. Look at verse 12. Now look, I'm not saying, because I know people like to take my words out of context. I did not say, you did not hear Pastor Jimenez say, every preacher that happens to be on TV is a reprobate. I didn't say that. But what I'm telling you is this, a false preacher is very likely to be a reprobate. And that's the guy you want to go read his book. That's the guy that's going to teach you doctrine. Go to Jude 1, look at verse 12. Jude 1 and verse 12. Notice this. God says, these people are so reprobate, it's like they're already in hell. Okay, what are you talking about? Look at verse 12. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, make note of this phrase, these two words. Twice dead. Do you see that? Twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. The Bible says about these false preachers that they're twice dead. You say, what's the significance to that? Have you ever heard this term before? Being born again? Second Peter says being born again, not a corruptible seed, but a big corruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, to be born again is to be saved. Now, now try to follow what I'm saying, Okay. You are either born twice, and you die once. Because you'll die a physical death, but if you're born again, you won't die the second death, right? So you're either born twice, and you die once, or you're born once, and you die twice. Those are your two choices. Unless you go up in the rapture, and that's a whole other story. But do you understand what I'm saying? You're either born twice, physically, and you're born again, and then you die once physically, but you don't die the second death, but you go to heaven. Or you're born once physically, but you're not born again. And then you will die the physical death, but then the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You understand that? You're either born twice and die once, or you're born once and die twice. And the Bible says, these guys, they're alive, but they are twice dead. God says, they might as well already be in hell. It's like they're already died twice, because they're not getting saved. I've rejected them. They are reprobates. Why? Because they didn't have a chance. No. Because like Cain, they rejected God, and God said, I'm going to reject you. He said, it's like they're twice dead. Can you help somebody who's already in hell? You say, I can't help somebody who's already in hell. They've already died twice. You can't help these people. It's like they've already died twice. God says they're twice dead. You've got to understand this, okay? What can we learn about the reprobates or about the false preachers? Well, first of all, we learn from Cain. Now, next week we're going to deal with what we can learn about Balaam. And then after that, we'll deal with what we can learn about Korah. But what we can learn about Cain is this. They had an opportunity. 
It's not that they didn't have an opportunity. It's that they chose to give God something other than what God asked for. They chose to reject God's salvation. And when they chose to reject God's salvation, eventually God rejected them. God says they are like the fallen angels. God says they are like Sodom and Gomorrah. Go back and read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember when Abraham and God were having the conversation about who to save from Sodom? God was only willing to save those who were righteous. Remember he said, if you find 50 righteous, if you find 45 righteous, if you find 40 righteous, if you find 30 righteous, if you find 20 righteous, if you find 10 righteous, he couldn't find 10 righteous. And then so God just sent the angels in just to pick out the few that were saved. But God was not willing to spare the rest. They were already rejected. You say, what what can we learn from this? Here's what you can learn. This is why it's so important for us to go out and preach the gospel. To get people saved before... Look, I don't know what that number is. You say, well, I know somebody, I gave them the gospel once or twice or three times and they've rejected it. Should I... Am I done with them? No! Look, let's get these people saved. Let's get these people the Bible. Let's go out into the highways and hedges and get people saved before they listen to too much of this garbage from these false preachers and start thinking that, well, I know that the Bible says that salvation is through Jesus, but I'm going to offer my good works. Okay, get you in trouble. These are like Cain, who rejected God, and they were rejected of Cain. And look, it hurts. It hurts to think, man, so so so-and-so that I know... They told me they believe X, Y, and Z. Does that mean they're not saved? Yeah, that's what it means. They're not saved. God makes no exceptions. There's no excuse. It is our job to preach the gospel. If people don't want to accept it, that's, that's between them and God. Our job is to warn them. We can't win them all, but can we at least warn them all? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. And Lord, I understand, Lord, that these type of sermons may not be the most positive and encouraging, but it's the Bible. It's what the Bible says, and that's what we're here to do. My job is not to give great swelling words. My job is to preach the Bible. And Lord, as we learn this, help some of our eyes to be opened and to realize, wow, if I don't close my mouth and listen to what the gospel says and start trying to figure out what God says about this thing, I may end up being rejected. The hard thing about getting saved is you've got to be quiet enough to hear what God has to say. I pray you'd help us to be humble enough to hear that. Help us to be humble enough to get that. Lord, use your spirit in our hearts. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray.